Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Children's Books. My name's Steve Munzer. I'm the author and illustrator of many and varied titles for young people, from craft books and magazines about cars, planes and Danger Mouse spy gadgets, to historical middle-grade fiction about Leonardo da Vinci. In this series of 10-minute podcasts, I'll be reflecting on my time as a teacher, a writer and a publisher. I'll be chatting to a whole host of experts in the book industry, including authors and illustrators, translators, publishers and booksellers. And most importantly of all, I'll be talking to readers like you. After all, you're the ones who make it all worthwhile. In this episode, I'll be talking about where my love of children's books came from, and why I'm a big believer that everyone at some time owes it to themselves to discover the magic of children's books. So whether you're a parent, a teacher, a librarian, or just someone who's keen on reading, I hope there's something here for you. The night seemed long. Wilbur's stomach was empty and his mind was full. And when your stomach is empty and your mind is full, it's always hard to sleep. That was the start of Chapter 5 in a book called Charlotte's Web by E.B. White, or Elwyn Brooks White, to give him his full title. In the story, Wilbur is a pig, and he likes to go to sleep on a full stomach. A few nights ago, I had a similar problem. Not that my stomach was empty, but my mind was full. I lay awake, thinking about how much I love children's books. I always have. I love reading them. I love the illustrations and images that often go with them. So what is it about children's books that has the power to keep me awake at night? I've thought about that a lot, and maybe it's the fact that I'm still about ten years old in my mind. Perhaps it's because I hope I never lose that sense of awe and wonder in the world that I had when I was that age. There's something special about all those stories I used to read that let me explore the big wide world from a safe place, that opened my eyes to all the possibilities that are out there. Maybe it's because it links me back to a time when I first had my eyes opened to great children's literature. I was about seven or eight years old, and the teacher we had was pretty mean and grumpy. Even her name was sour. If you've ever read about Miss Trunchbull in the story of Matilda, you'll know what I'm talking about. Well, this one never actually threw anyone out of a window, but she did make us stand in the corner an awful lot, and I can't think that she ever smiled. So imagine the cheers that went up when that teacher left and we got a new one. Our new teacher was everything that the old one wasn't. She was kind and smiled a lot, and she never made us feel embarrassed or belittled us. Best of all, she read stories. The one I remember most vividly was called My Side of the Mountain. It was all about a boy who runs away to the forest and lives in a hollow tree. He trains a young falcon and makes friends with a weasel called the Baron. This was probably the first time I had experienced real fiction, not just Janet and John or comics or books about trivial things. This was a proper fully-fledged big wide world tale with peril and twists and turns. I remember thinking long and hard about how I might survive in the mountains and forests all alone. What would I eat? How would I keep warm? What if bears came? And would my mum and dad really miss me? Fairly recently, I returned to that story once more. 
I discovered that the boy was called Sam Gribley, and those mountains were the Catskills in the state of New York. The book was written by Jean Craighead George, who has over a hundred books to her name, and grew up in the 1930s camping in the woods along the Potomac River, climbing trees and learning all about survival in the wild from her father, who was a naturalist. She wrote a follow-up called On the Far Side of the Mountain, and one called Julie of the Wolves, set in Alaska. Of course, I didn't know any of this as a seven-year-old living in England. All I knew was that I wanted to be that boy, and I've carried his story with me ever since. Well, the years went by. I left school at the age of 18, and then, when I was 26, I went back to school again, this time as a teacher. My first class was in a little village in North Yorkshire. I tried to be kind, smile as often as I could manage it, and not to belittle anyone. My favourite time was around three o'clock each day, not because the school was nearly over and I could finally breathe a sigh of relief, but because this was when I would reach for a book. The class would settle on the carpet, and for thirty minutes we would all go somewhere wild and amazing. One time we all crawled through a wardrobe and found ourselves in a cold and wintry place. Another time we went poaching in the woods with a boy called Danny and his sparky dad, and we made friends with a girl called Fern who raised a piglet called Wilbur who in turn made friends with a spider called Charlotte. Some of the children in that class lived on farms themselves. One girl called Lucy knew all about piglets. Her dad had a dozen or so running around in the barn, so one day I borrowed one of them and brought it into class. We called the piglet Wilbur and took care of it in a specially made pen in the corner of the classroom. Of course, we're talking about a few years ago. I'm sure there must be health and safety rules about that sort of thing now. Over the years, I read lots of great books to the children I taught. That's probably another reason why I love them so much. Books like Stig of the Dump, that tells the tale of a boy called Barney who makes friends with a caveman. Then there was Crindlecracks, in which young Ruskin Splinter earns the right to play the hero in his school play after doing battle with a terrible beast that lives in the sewers beneath the street where he lives. Up near the top of my list of favourites was Green Smoke. It's all about a girl called Susan who befriends a funny old dragon that she discovers living in a cave on the beach at St. Austell where she spends her summer holidays. And of course, there were books about a wizard with a very ordinary sounding name and a friend whose name I couldn't quite pronounce at first. It was only when a girl in the class pointed out that her friend had a cousin called Hermione that I realised Hermione is not the way it's supposed to be said. Now, as we all know, there are lots of distractions these days, reasons to not pick up a book. To start with, it can be hard to know what to read, and of course, the first few pages can be often very tricky. After all, it takes a bit of effort to get going. It's not like watching something on a screen or listening to the radio, is it? Some people say that starting a new book is like travelling to an unfamiliar country. I've often found that to be the case. At first, things can seem a little strange. You don't know any of the people, and their customs are a bit odd, to say the least. But, like going somewhere new, the landscape slowly reveals itself, and you start to feel at home. 
After a few chapters, it seems like you've been there for ages. Making new friends is often the best part of any story. When you turn the last page, you really don't want to say goodbye to them, and you wish you could stay longer. In Charlotte's Web, the farmer's daughter Fern is a great friend to Wilbur. She saves his life, and loves him more than anything. It's an unlikely friendship, but not as unlikely as that between a pig and a spider. After all, Charlotte eats horseflies, and has no reason at all to meddle in the affairs of a pig. But she does. And that's what makes the story so, well, that's what makes it so radiant, as Charlotte might say. And I'm not the only one to think so. In 2012, in a survey of readers, the book was voted number one in a list of top children's books. Elwyn White, like Jean Craighead George, grew up in the eastern states. He loved animals and ended his days living on a farm. About his own writing, he's quoted as once saying, All that I hope to say in books, all that I ever hope to say, is that I love the world. I've read his tale of Wilbur and Charlotte and Fern many times, and I have to say that that love really shines through. If you were to look along my bookshelf right now, you would find stories about all sorts of people and places. There's one about a girl called Lily, with a mechanical clockwork heart. And there's a book about tiny people who live beneath the floorboards. One of my favourites tells the tale of a gorilla called Sally Jones that mends broken accordions and inherits an old-fashioned typewriter that she uses to tell about her incredible adventures. As I pick out a book and thumb through its pages, half-forgotten faces and feelings come flooding back. Sometimes memories are stirred that first got there a long time ago. That's the power of twenty-six little letters arranged with special care on a page. And I suppose that's the power that kept me awake a couple of nights back. Once those words are in your head, and perhaps more especially in your heart, they can live there forever. In my waking experience the other night, I knew that something was afoot. My mind was stirring, and being so full of thoughts and feelings about books, I knew that what I needed was a place to put it all. That's when I came up with the idea of a podcast. The next bit of Wilbur's story says something about his inability to sleep. Let me read it to you. A dozen times during the night, Wilbur woke and stared into the blackness, listening to the sounds and trying to figure out what time it was. A barn is never perfectly quiet. Even at midnight, there is usually something stirring. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. You'll find a full list of all the books mentioned in this podcast on my Green Ginger website at munza.co.uk. Do click the subscribe button on the homepage. That way I can let you know about future episodes and monthly book giveaways. Until next time, read on and prosper. And remember, a book is for life, not just for Christmas, you know. <laughs>